0: This is the official Caps Church Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am here with no one. Sorry, that's a leftover from last season where I would introduce Polly Cupcakes, but it's just me solo today. But we do have an incredible guest, Samantha Pell from the Washington Post beat writer for the Washington Post for your very own Washington Capitals. As you know, this will be our Thursday episode. So this is usually when I try to bring in some interviews or, you know, kind of talk off script. Uh, and if you're an OG, uh, thanks for returning. If you're brand new, we hope you really like it, but I'm really anxious to get this thing going. So let's pop some tabs and get Sam right in here real quick. One, two, three. All right. Adding to the stream right now, we have Sam Pell, beat writer for the Washington Capitals on the Washington Post at the Washington Post. Sam, thanks a lot for coming.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I know that we've uh, we've talked a couple of times in the past and so glad to finally get you uh, into the Caps Chirp podcast.
1: No, absolutely. I've definitely heard a lot about you, obviously, as you know, we've chatted a few times. So, yeah, happy to actually be on the show and get going.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I do have the burning question I think all Caps fans really want to know. And that is, of the Caps locker room, who's working with the largest hammer?
1: (laughs) You know, that's a great, great question. Uh, A lot of the times, actually, we don't actually get to see a lot of the guys in the locker room. Uh, Like, Alex (laughs) Ovechkin is definitely in and out before we even get in the room. Darcy Kemper sometimes doesn't even wait for us to say hello. Uh, So that's a great question. But um, yeah, I'll have to get back to you on that.
0: (laughs) All right. So let's put it to rest. You know, I know it's funny because I'm sure that a lot of people, maybe in your personal life, I mean... I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one with a middle school mindset that is is like, well, do you get to see the players naked? Um and I obviously not. I think that probably movies have uh made that a little little um over romanticized if that's the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, yeah. So you do not get to see anybody naked, and that is that's because you're a professional. So calm down everyone. that is
1: true that is for everyone chill it's gonna be okay but that is not part of my job description nor do I actually think I wanted to be part of my job description honestly <laughs> right. uh, I feel like it's already awkward talking to guys when they just like just get off the ice and they're all sweaty and gross but yeah I think that would just add to the chaos
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely I do have a question though that is kind of because you are around them right when they're like super sweaty um mm-hmm. so I've played hockey for a long time, and I've been inside hockey locker rooms a bunch, and they mm-hmm. all reek right? And my my gear <laughs> is in the basement. I air it out. I try to yeah. take care of it as best as possible. But you know, I figured that like when you if if you' were an NHL player, like maybe it wouldn't mm-hmm. smell as bad, but mm-hmm. is that the case, or does it still smell pretty bad? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's pretty horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like imagine like what you smell and then like times up by 20 and then like all their other gears also in there and oh, like man. everyone's going in and out and moving and it's like a lot of moving parts and I know I was talking to Tariq El-Bashir about this and he's like the first day we went in the room uh a couple weeks ago when it first opened he was like wow he's like I did not miss this smell. He was like I even have like a kid at home that has right. all his hockey stuff and he's like this is horrible. And I'm like <laughs> Yeah, it's not great. So it's not really glamorous. I don't think anyone really wants to be in there for a prolonged period of time. But that is where we get our best stuff and actually do our jobs.
0: Absolutely. Right, right. So there is a, you know, I'm sure a lot of people think that you have an awesome job, which you do. Don't get me wrong. Um, but hey, there are there are some um, hazards to it. Let's be honest, right?
1: Oh, 100%. There's a lot of hazards in this job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you know it's it's great that you're that you've come on i really wanted to because i know that like a lot of the previews or interviews that you've done um i almost feel bad because you're like they like just start hammering you with like hardcore hockey questions and honestly uh since this is the first time that you've been on the pod i really kind of just want to get to know you a little bit better so uh you know i, I kind of want to know like what brought you to dc doing this job i mean um i know you are in an, and from the poor research that I've done, an ASU alum. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. I went to Arizona State. I graduated in 2017. So I actually got uh, an internship at the Washington Post right after college and it was in the sports section. So that's how the DC connection started. So I was a sports internship to go to Dallas to cover high school football for three months for the Dallas Morning News. So Obviously, football in Texas is like the biggest thing on the planet for them. Sure. Uh, So I got a little taste of that and kind of the craziness. And then Post hired me back as a high school reporter um, at the end of the year. And so I did that for two years and got to be around Isabel, who covered the Capitals before me. We became really good friends. We would obviously talk about hockey a lot because that was her job. So that's how I started to learn the sport. I'd go to bars with her and the games would be on and she'd be talking to me about all the different players. And so that's how it all kind of started. And I was her backup for a year. I saw the Caps win the Cup. I helped coverage there. Um, and then, yeah, when she left to go cover politics in Russia, I was first in line to say, hey, yeah, I'll cover the Capitals. Wow. Um, and then here I am and this is my fourth season.
0: That's crazy, man. And I didn't, um, I mean, that internship that you first got out of college had to be pretty Mm -hmm. competitive, right? I mean, the Washington Post is, I feel like a monolith in the country for, for just being, you know, still print, you know, obviously they're largely digital now, but like, you know, as, as a print kind of, uh, kind of, uh, newspaper, like the pinnacle, right?
1: Yeah, it was definitely one of the, t- I mean, it is one of the top newspapers in the country. And I just feel really fortunate and lucky that I got the internship in the first place. I'm pretty sure I actually applied on the very last day you could apply. So I think I like completely forgot that the post was like an internship I should be applying to. And I think to me in my head, I probably thought, oh, I can never get that. So why would I apply? And then I think a former boss of mine at ASC was like, why haven't you applied to the post? Like, just go do it. So I'm pretty sure it was the last day. I can't be super positive on that, but I just remember like rushing in, being like fingers crossed. <laughs> so I guess I did something right in my application.
0: Yeah, apparently so. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's I and you know what I think that uh, hockey fans that that are that are following the Caps, Caps fans, really, it's for me, it's pretty surprising that you your first touch with hockey was with, you know, you know, in the past basically five years. Um yeah. with with Washington. <laughs> I didn't realize that at all because I think that you really um do a good job in your writing and, and really, you know, I think that you've become quickly a a fan favorite for sure. So kudos to you on that.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I feel like I still every day have a lot to learn. Like I feel like nuances in hockey are so much. Like I could constantly think that I know something and then even if it's like on the power play, for example, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what the caps are going to do. Like I figured out like their systems and what they're going to change. And then of course I'm watching in game and I'm like, okay, just kidding. I have (laughs) no clue what they just tried to do. And I'm like, is that me being naive or is that them trying something that I don't understand? Or So I feel like it's always a learning process, but I mean, it's so much fun and I've had so much fun talking to players and coaches and GMs and all these other people who have helped me kind of along the way. No one in hockey, I feel like has been, I don't know what the word is, like standoffish or like, oh, like you don't know what you're talking about. Like, why are you asking me this? I think they actually appreciate me being like, hey, can you break down that coverage that you had? Or like, I don't really understand why you're doing this. Like, is there a particular reason? And everyone that I've ever talked to has been really nice about explaining stuff and they're happy to do so because I think when I understand it and more people understand it, then it's better for them in, in the long run.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's definitely better for the sport as well to, to have new faces and new people learning about it. So, um, that's awesome. And so, you know, just going back to like, you know, your ASU days, which is an underrated hockey school from what I understand, because, uh, mm. uh, Corey and, and R- uh, Richie, who are the, um, sporty with Corey and Richie podcast on the hockey podcast network, they're both ASU alums. They're like, uh, they were super into hockey. They went there back when like the club was being started, um, but like, was, was, uh, your intention to like write, be a sports journalist or was it just like anything in journalism I'll take?
1: Yeah, I actually, so I graduated with a sports journalism BA. So it was the first time my class in at Arizona state was the first time that major was actually like given out and yeah. we could actually like get our majors in sports journalism. I think before you couldn't really specialize in it. It was just, there were some classes like sports writing and sports photography and things like that but this was the first year that you could actually take specified sports classes and like earn your degree that way um so i don't know i i just feel like sports to me was always something that i thought i guess before covid that could never go away i was like (laughs) oh we're always going to have sports like there's always going to be a demand for it like it's fun it's exciting it's not like depressing like I don't. I personally don't think I could cover politics or like the local news and have like that cycle be my life. I was like, sports is fun. It's entertaining. A lot of people like it. So why not go into it? And I was a big basketball and football person. So Arizona State made a lot of sense on a lot of levels. It was in the Pac-12. It was a place that I could cover those sports from day one. It wasn't like a Indiana where I'd probably have to wait two to three years to even touch the basketball beat. Right. Um, There's some other schools like that. So. Yeah, for me it was always sports. It was always fun, and then I found it ironic that COVID kind of took it all away when I was in the (laughs) middle of my uh, cap speed. But I I think everyone learned a lot, and yeah, definitely just happy to be back.
0: Awesome, awesome. That's crazy. And and were you an athlete in 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 high school or? uh, I
1: I played basketball up until high school and like did club basketball. But I'm actually a big horseback rider, so I grew up riding horses. So that was basically my sport like i'd go do that i would volunteer at a therapeutic riding center so horses were a big part of my life and then i when i went to college i just didn't have time to do it anymore and i don't think i've been i don't think i've been on a horse since yeah probably sometime in college
0: so it's been
1: quite some time
0: wow we're learning so much here caps nation sam (laughs) pell closet horse girl who knew
1: I, yeah. My best friend actually calls me a horse girl and she's like, it's hilarious how no one knows that you're a horse girl. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't put it on my Instagram and social media. And I don't own a horse. Right. So I don't okay. think I can be a horse girl. If I owned a horse, then I would say, full send, go for it.
0: Right. Well, one day, one day, you know, who knows? <laughs> one
1: day. We'll get yeah. back to that.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's a, that's a Capschirp exclusive that you just gave us, right?
1: 100% <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome awesome that's that's great man I mean um so tell me you know I would love to hear maybe like a a high point since being here in DC and and well let's step back where are you from originally like where did you go to high school
1: so I went to high school so I grew up in Woodinville Washington it's mm. like a winery town like 20-30 minutes outside of Seattle So it's like if anyone's heard of Chateau St. Michel, their wines are always at like grocery stores and stuff like that. So that's where I grew up. It's a wine haven pretty much. There's like hundreds of wineries that are in Woodville. It's now like a really big tourist place. It wasn't when I was growing up. Cool. Um, But yeah, I grew up there and yeah, spent my whole life there until I went to ASU.
0: Wow. Okay. Good stuff. So, so from the West coast in, in the hub of, of, American politics and, you know, D.C. sports, right? Uh, I think that you cover probably the best team that is in D.C., let's be honest. Um, I agree. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I mean, uh, so, yeah, I mean, any any high points? You got any good stories? Like something maybe higher or, or you could go the opposite way, like a low point? I'm sure COVID was a yeah. pretty big kick, right?
1: Yeah, COVID was – I guess I'll start with a low point since that's easiest. Low point was definitely <laughs> COVID and – I actually got assigned to cover a lot of the Trump stuff and uh, like the national COVID response to all of this during the pandemic. So I spent a lot of my days during COVID listening to the press briefings of Trump talking about COVID <laughs> and what they're going to do and all the like Dr. Fauci, like everyone talking about COVID was like my days for like months right. and I'd have to like send feeds about what was important and what was not. And I just remember thinking, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> i'm like this is not what i signed up
0: for right,
1: right. um that was it, i don't even think that was a low point it was just like a different point like it wasn't what i thought i would be doing sure. and i was also just like stuck in my apartment so it wasn't the best um i'm trying to think of a high point on the beat i feel like i've been so lucky to go to so many different places that it's hard like being able to cover the finals last year and see the cup being awarded in Colorado, I think was a once in a lifetime experience. Like not a lot of people ever get to see one finals game, let alone the whole entire series, let alone the cup being awarded and being on the ice after the game. It was just like a, almost a surreal moment thinking we do this every single day for our entire lives. And then you finally reach the end (laughs) and you're seeing all (laughs) these guys like super happy. And like Andre Burkowski was there and he was just like, so emotional and happy even though it's his second cup and i was like that's just i don't know it was a cool moment um i feel like honestly a lot of the high moments come when you're not expecting it like today for example that when i went to a captional op- optional skate and tjo she was there with his three kids and there was really no one in the locker room and he was like lacing up all their skates and putting on their helmets and like all of his kids went out on the ice so like skate around and his kids were just like chewing gum and like having fun and so it was like the little moments i think that make you realize okay yeah I i did choose the right profession and it's like a fun thing to see and it's the behind the scenes stuff that maybe people don't get to see that is what i think is like the high points of my job
0: that's awesome yeah i mean um i think i think people fans especially fans really um they just forget that these are people too you know um mm-hmm. you know obviously we want to have them perform like a machine on the ice but at the same time you know we there's there's a uh there's a human element they are people after all so that's awesome that you get to see that kind of inside scoop on everything
1: yeah it's definitely cool i think some of the times too also it's like meeting like an athlete's wife like i've met Alex Ovechkin's wife Nastia I, I did a story on her when Alex hit 700 and it was about Alex like becoming basically like how he is as a dad and how that's kind of impacted him in life and like how that's kind of led up to the 700 goals and I remember sitting down with her and she was pregnant at the time I don't think anyone knew that she was pregnant and she was just like it's fine. She's like, you can know, like, it's cool. I'm just going to sit here, like very obviously (laughs) pregnant and talk to you about like my husband and like the good things about him and the bad things. And it was just like a very easy, normal conversation that I bet a lot of people wouldn't think would come out of her mouth (laughs) just because I feel like a lot of these people are put on a pedestal. But when you get to them face to face, they're like some of the nicest people I've ever talked to.
0: Yeah. You know what I I think also, and I'm not to like, you know, you know, really come in here and, and be a total homer on the sport. But I feel like and and maybe you you would know, even though like the coverage that you did was like Texas high school football, but like yeah, I feel like hockey players are like super down to earth. Especially the I mean even into the pros. Obviously you have a couple bad apples, I'm sure, but uh yeah. for the most part, most of the pros and ex pros that I've talked to are just like normal people and are love the sport and they're like pumped to talk to you, even though I'm just like some slob, never has been. <laughs> that like pushes buttons on a computer and like and like word diarrheas into a mic, you know what I mean?
1: No, I I get what you're saying and I definitely feel that way sometimes. I'm like, why is Sidney Crosby talking to me? Like I have no <laughs> business talking to him or Connor McDavid, like Austin Matthews. I don't even know why we're in the same space. Right. Um <laughs> no, I I tell a lot of people that I think hockey is the best like human interaction sport for reporters and hockey player. It just They're the nicest people. I think it also probably comes from a lot of their backgrounds. A lot of them, obviously Canadians, Europeans, like they probably understand that coming over here to play hockey is like obviously a great privilege and an honor, but they're just, they kind of carry that with them. And I feel like they're more humble than a lot of other athletes I've talked to. I've, I've said it before. I don't think baseball is a great culture and, and just the way that they kind of talk. I, I don't like it personally. I think the (laughs) NFL as well. I think there's some, stuff there and cockiness probably sure um but I don't know hockey rooms I think are just very easy and relaxed and no one's very standoffish unless you're standoffish to them right um so yeah like you said there's obviously a few bad apples you're not gonna get everyone on their best days but I agree overall I I would be a homer for the sport I, I think it's great
0: <laughs> awesome awesome good stuff and and you know, I, that's, a, that's a good segue into uh, into my ad read here. So, hockey fans, it's time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team, to, on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. So, obviously, you want to be betting on the Caps and against the Penguins, even though this early season may not have that result. I promise that the money's there. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to bet $5 on an any NHL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So back to um, our interview here with, with Sam Pell of the Washington Post. So... Let me ask you about your your social media uh, presence like on Twitter. So you're like you're like cruising around like 30k followers now, is that right?
1: Yeah, I um it's funny my best friend actually keeps tabs on it and she'll send it to me from time to time and she's like, "Oh, look, you've gained a couple more." And I'm like, "I'm glad you're keeping track because sometimes I don't look and then I'm like, "Oh wow, that's cool." I was like Oh yeah, thirty one. Interesting. New <laughs> right. day. I was like, I wonder what I tweeted that caused so many more followers. And it's usually something really stupid. Right. So.
0: Of course. It's <laughs> always like your weird like you put sometimes I'll put in like so I'm like, oh, this tweet's so clever. It's like one like <laughs> and I know. Like, it's I always not. like the
1: dumb ones that I'm like, it's like an aside. It's just like, oh, let me like add this on to something and I'm like, that shouldn't have blown up. But I guess <laughs> it's Twitter and always the dumb, ridiculous stuff blows up, so I guess I'll take it as long as people like my stuff, I can't complain. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. So did that did that happen once you kind of were the full-time uh beat writer for the caps or were you like kind of, you know, cruising before that?
1: I I think I tried to think about this a couple years ago cuz I remember I was like, when did I get so many random people like following me and like wanting to know about my life even though I'm really not that exciting at all and <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I didn't have like any followers. I probably was like a couple thousand. I have no clue how it got to 30,000 followers. I think every year you're on a beat. I think there's the initial rush of, okay, well, one, I was hired at the Washington Post, so that had to boost me up. Then right. it was, oh, now I'm covering Texas high school football. So that's going to get you all these football people in Texas. And then it was, <laughs> I went back at the post covering high school. So then you have all these kids and parents and coaches and schools from every sport that I've ever covered that are now there. And then you move on to the NHL and you don't only have Washington Capitals fans, but you have NHL fans, you have scouts, you have video people, you have fans from the whole entire Metro division, you have PR people. So I guess it adds up pretty quickly when you think about it, but I'm also like, I do not know 30,000 people, nor do I ever want to know 30,000 people. (laughs) Um, But it's crazy that, everyone sees that on my timeline or on their timelines. And I'm somehow important to some people that I've never met. But right. I mean, as long as people, again, as long as they like it and I like it and I love the interactions, I think it's like the best part of my day.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, uh, speaking of interactions, I mean, I think that you created cr- quite the buzz in the playoff run last year, eating that freaking monstrous <laughs> sandwich. What the hell was that? What was it? The Cinnabon? Cinnabon? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a Cinnabon, like, spicy fried chicken sandwich.
0: Okay. So it's
1: basically, like, a Cinnabon cut in half. They put, like, a fried chicken patty thing in the middle, and they had this weird, like, Thousand Highland dressing sauce on it. <laughs> and then I jokingly, like, put on Twitter, I think the night before, that I was like, oh, like, haha, like, this is at the arena. Like, how, how I don't know, I was like, one like and I'll do it or something like that. It was was something really stupid. right? And all these people are like, well, now you have to do it. Like, it has to be a thing. So obviously I go to the arena and I'm like, okay, I'll do it. This is going to be fine. And then I asked John Walton. I was like, hey, so I'm doing this. Do you want to call it? And he's like, (laughs) absolutely. I would love to call you eating a, a fried chicken weird ass sandwich. So we went up to the press box like all the other press media came with us, like Tariq, Al-Bashir, Tom Galletti. I think like JJ Reagan was probably there at the time, Andrew Gillis. And here's me like, oh, I'm just going to take a bite of this sandwich. It's not going to be that big of a deal. I'm going to stream it on Instagram because once again, I'm like, going to be hilarious for my friends yeah <laughs> i end up like eating the entire thing it's like stream live there's broadcasters and like officials walking back and forth from the press box watching me like eat this sandwich and they're like are you okay and i'm like no clearly we're not okay in washington um, so there's all these random people just watching me eat a sandwich um but yeah and then i guess i did it one more time and that was that yeah,
0: because they won right after. I mean you can't they, you can't break tradition. Yeah, hockey fans are very superstitious.
1: True. They're very superstitious and they will like let you know that they're superstitious. <laughs> it's not like a closeted superstitious. They're right. outwardly like, you need to do this, or like it it's the team's gonna blow up. Like they're gonna <laughs> lose every single game they possibly could ever play from this point on. Yeah, you so but yeah, made no, it was real. fun. It was entertaining. But yeah, hockey players are the same way. I mean I'm pretty sure Dylan Strome is like very very superstitious
0: oh really so talk on that what what do you mean
1: so uh, yeah i heard that dylan does basically the same thing every single day on game days like he's very stick to the book of like timing like when to show up to the rink when to eat what to eat how to eat like before the games i think people remember Braden holfe sitting there and doing his eye thing on the ice i'm pretty sure dylan does the same thing just a little (laughs) less goalie like yeah um so yeah, I know a lot of hockey guys are very superstitious, so it does not surprise me that hockey fans are the same way.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm I obviously like I've I've played like you know forever since I was like twelve. So like, <clears throat> I mean, I if I have a good game, like I won't I will first of all just to you know out myself. I don't hardly ever <laughs> wash my gear ever, right? I mean, I air it out. I, I at least air That's- it out, people.
1: At least okay. you do that. Right, I have exactly. friends that I'm like, okay, at least you do that. That's <laughs> yeah. one thing.
0: Right. But, like, if I have an exceptionally good game, like, I'll, like, not wash my stuff uh, mm-hmm. on purpose. But then if I have, like, a bad game or something or if I'm, like, not feeling it, I'm like, all right, everything needs to get washed and just get all that. Yeah.
1: Fresh <laughs> start. Can't right. have that. Can't have the energy. Can't have the vibes.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, you know, I don't know if that's that's – it's not crazy, so – and I'm sure that they're uh, – yeah, obviously we've heard so many crazy, crazy stories about, you know, eating habits and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's – it's interesting to hear uh, Dylan Strom because he's honestly one of the younger players on the squad, right? He's almost like, you know – I mean, I know he's in his mid-20s, but he's like the kid.
1: He is a kid, and it's it's crazy because he's a kid, but he also has a kid. So, like, this oh. is one of the first interactions where I'm like, oh, like, you're really young compared to Ovechkin, Oshie, Backstrom, whatever. But you have a full child, like, you have a wife, you you have a dog, you guys are living in a house in Arlington, like, you have it all together, versus, like, a Martin Faravari is an actual child. (laughs) Um, So it's funny, it's funny to think about it, like, they are, they're younger than me, but some of them already have, like, families, and they're established, and they've been in the NHL for years now, and especially with Dylan, I mean, he's like the middle child of Ryan and Matt Strome, like this is their whole entire lives. Like they are a right. hockey family through and through. So, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever that he already kind of has his life together while he's trying to figure out his NHLA.
0: Interesting. I mean, I think that on the ice, his product translates as a much more mature game. I think that he sees the ice really well. He's a really good player. He's smart. He's talented. Uh, I like to see that he's already got two or three points on this young season as a, as a new, new face. I mean, obviously he knew he had to come in with a chip on his shoulder to find a, you know, a long-term home here. Um, but I mean, uh, I guess what you're saying is that he's like that off the ice too. And it's kind of like, oh, that's him, huh?
1: Yeah. No, I, I think Dylan's a great person. I think in the interactions that I've had with him. Um, so I wrote a story, I think it was a couple weeks ago about, or maybe last week about, Dylan and his two brothers and how his brothers were talking about Dylan. And I remember walking up to Dylan in the locker room to basically ask him like what day he would be free. Cause I was like, I don't want to bug you on a day that you're swamped or you have shit to do. Right. So, uh, I went up to him and I was like, Hey, I-, I talked to your brother, Ryan, like he spoke really highly about you. And, and I was just wondering like, if I could talk to you about your brothers and he goes, is that your way of asking me if I can talk highly about Ryan. And I was like, <laughs> no. I was like, I don't care what you say about Ryan, honestly. <laughs> but I thought it would be nice for you to know that your brother said good things about you. Um, So he's like a really just like jokey, fun, just like we're we re- a good dude. Yeah. Um Yeah. It- he definitely like still has like the young energy and like excitement to be here and like yay hockey. Yeah. I don't think he's like TJ Oshie, John Carlson, like three, four kids in. Um, But I think it's definitely like the needed boost that they need. And he also just like fits in well in the room. So through and through, I think McClellan did a great job with adding him and Connor Brown and Darcy Kemper. Like they've all fit pretty seamlessly, at least in the room and what we've seen.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I've heard, um, you know, Carl Osner comes on and talks sometimes and he's like,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know, I've, I haven't had a lot of, you know, I'm not a journeyman by any means, but, uh, and obviously I'm biased coming up in the cap system, but you know, he also played for the Canadiens, who are you know the most winning franchise in all of NHL history. They have a lot of history. Their their uh, fan base is crazy and brutal. Um, you know, they he says though that the Washington Capitals organization they just do it right. To quote him, like they are just doing things right. I mean, do you feel that vibe? I mean, you know, you may not know a bunch of other teams like hand in hand, but at the same time, you, you do know sports, so what's your vibe yeah that's
1: that's what i was gonna say it's it's hard for me to say at least in the nhl because it sounds so weird because i i would assume that all teams say oh we have the tightest locker room like all the veteran guys really welcome the new guys it's such a tight group and i feel like i've heard that every single year since i've been in washington like whenever there's a new guy that comes in right. they're always so like super excited to play with alex ovechkin super excited to play with nicholas backstrom and tj she like there's always some connection and there's always some leadership involved and Tom Wilson will take a guy under his wing or John Carlson will take a guy under his wing and, like, it seems so natural. So for me, maybe I'm just, like, pessimistic, but I'm like, oh, every single locker room has to be like this. Like, no one is going (laughs) to be like, oh, yeah, our room sucks. Like, there's no leaders here. Like, we're not going to welcome in the new guys. But I do understand where Carl is coming from and I'm sure he's seen it in a few different spots. But I do think the Caps have a standard and I think it does come up from kind of like the top down like I don't know I think Brian McClellan gets the right guys I think he understands what's to do I mean I think Ted Leonsis for all the good and bad that he probably has with the organization like I think he understands who to bring in what pieces work and I mean you have an Alex Ovechkin I think then you just kind of figure out the rest so right overall in sports again I think hockey is in my opinion, the best culture. So if we start there, then I'm sure there's more teams in hockey that have that culture than other teams and other sports.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, obviously it's good to hear that because I feel like that's, you look, I mean, again, I don't cover a lot of other, you know, teams, but, you know, mm-hmm. things like Buffalo and and some of the teams that are kind of been in the basement for a long time. There's There's really kind of a question on culture, you know, when you're giving up guys like Eichel, you know, and, and not getting his yeah. surgery that he wants, like, what the hell is the problem with that? You know? <clears throat> so I, I don't ever think that a situation like that would ever arise in DC. So I am kind of happy to, to be a fan of a club that seems like their culture is in line, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think also for Washington, they really haven't been, I mean, I guess outside of losing and never making it to the cup until actually making it to the cup. Right. Um, Like they haven't really been tested in the sense of players maybe like wanting to leave like more, I guess there's less drama in the Capitals organization than there probably is in like a Buffalo and these other places where there's all these rifts and people don't want to be there. and It's like going head to head, like the Tarasankos and St. Louis, right. like I don't know how you handle those situations because in, for those teams, because we just haven't seen that in Washington. And maybe you see a little bit with a Jacob Verana or an Andre Verkosky, but those things seem to be solved and they're, they work out for both sides. Like it's never a, oh, like Verana got screwed by going to Detroit. It's like, no, they got an Anthony Mantha back. So right. like there's the give and take, I think. And I think the Caps do a good job at kind of honoring the wishes of their players and vice versa. And, I think especially you just look at Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom. I mean, you look at the deals that they signed when they signed them. I think those were very hometown deals. They were, thank you for doing everything for our organization. Now we're going to let you kind of end your career how you want to end your career. And maybe it'll be telling with whatever happens to Backstrom this season. If he's going to try to come back, if he doesn't, what are the Caps going to do cap-wise? Like, how do they resolve this? How do they make it, you know, still good for them, but also – good for Backstrom and what he right. has remaining on his contract. So maybe there's a little bit more harder decisions to come in the next few years, but at least for now, I think the caps have been a, a world-class organization.
0: That's so good. So awesome to hear. I love it. I love it. Um, and, you know, we touched on Backstrom there. So, I mean, uh, I think there was a, and I, and you reported on it, you know, like that previous Backstrom was really just in like pain all the time, which again yeah. brings in the human aspect of things like, I don't know how, how much he showed that in the post game pressers, things like that. He's obviously a, a super tough dude, but like, I mean, have you been able to talk to him post-surgery and, and maybe like, you know, how are you doing? And does he seem a little bit lighter on his feet? Like what's, what's his, yeah. uh, what's his outlook like?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say first off, I don't think any of us knew how bad he like had it for the last year, the last couple of years, like, you could not guess that he was going through as much pain as, you know, everyone probably thought he was. I think everyone knew that his hip hurt and they tried a couple of things two off seasons ago to try to help it out. It wasn't surgery, Um, but they, tra- they did try some things to make it better. And, you know, he had that really long rehab. He finally comes back and he looks fine. Obviously he isn't himself. And then I think his announcement at the end of the season when he – you know, McClellan and him were like, yeah, we're going to do something like it's probably going to be surgery, like something needs to change. And the way that they were talking and the tone that they were talking almost sounded like retirement of like, you know, decisions need to be made. And I think it caught a lot of us off guard because no one just knew how bad it was. So for it to go from an R.I. is just a lingering hip thing. Oh, you can play through it. Like maybe there'll be something there to Oh, we don't really know what the future holds for him. Like, I, we don't know if he could play again. I think it was a very distinct contrast. And it was kind of one that was pretty shocking just hearing it from them. Because you're, again, we're around these guys every single day. And I don't think I ever saw Backstrom, like, wincing in pain or, like, bending over post postgame. Like, there was nothing like that. Wow. So. I think now hearing him talk about it to your point, he says he's completely pain-free. He's like, I can play with my kids again. I can tie my own shoes. Like I'm going to put on my socks. So it's a completely different lifestyle. And I do believe like that surgery was for him. It was a life decision. It was a quality of life decision. It wasn't a, I'm just going to get it so I can just play hockey. It was, I'm going to get it so that I can be around and have fun and be a good dad for my family. So I think for him, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I can't tell you when he's going to come back, if he's going to come back, but I think overall it, it's good that he's living a better life.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, and, and you know, that just goes to show like how close to the chest sometimes like the inside of the locker room and how management keeps things so even away from the press, obviously. I mean, I don't think they are ever looked at as like the bad guys, but you know, if if you hear like, hey Nick Backstrom a year ago, if you heard Nick Backstrom has an injury that may end his career, that was not on anybody's radar. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I definitely wasn't. I think it was like all injuries, right? That would it would almost be like a Tom Wilson, like his ACL surgery going completely sideways, and then all of a sudden, like he's never going to play again. It was almost—I know that's not the same scenario, but right. that was like in the likelihood category of, oh, uh, this is what we would have heard at the end of last season with Backstrom. So. Yeah, I think for him, like he's obviously going to try everything he possibly can to get back on the ice. Like he's still around the team. He's going to games. Like he's showing up to the rink and still doing rehab in the gym. I don't think he's skated yet. I don't even think Tom Wilson skated yet. So we'll see the slow recovery process. But I mean, obviously best of luck to him. And he's just a class act.
0: Absolutely. Good stuff, man. Um, so. We do have to talk a little bit about hockey here, I guess. Like, we kind of have been hockey adjacent, but, you know, the Caps are, uh, you know, well, this is going to come out on Thursday. So, as of the time that we're recording, they're they're one and two. They just beat the Canadians um, after a little sloppy kind of play. But, you know, in true Caps fashion, we played 10 minutes and it won us the game. (laughs) I love to see that, you know. At least it's it's better than the alternative not being able to win games at all. But, um, You know, starting out the season with a back to back, which uh, I heard you had a pretty on on the second <laughs> leg of that back to back, a pretty interesting flight debacle. Uh, what what was up with that in, in yeah. Toronto?
1: Yeah, so I showed up to DCA. So the yeah, the Capitals played their opening. Night. I think it was a Wednesday. I yeah. don't know days anymore. <laughs> and yeah, on, on the Thursday, usually I fly the night before games because I'm kind of crazy and I just don't want to cut things close. So I'm like, oh, if I fly in the night before, I can go to sleep in my nice hotel and get room service and that right. whole thing and be there in the morning. But on the back-to-back, obviously I can't travel after a game. So I showed up to DCA in the morning for my flight and it was actually coming in from Toronto and it was the morning that was like super bad weather in DC. It was like pouring down rain, kind of foggy. Or the person at the desk was like, oh, your flight's going to be on time. Like, here, everyone get your passports checked. We'll be fine. We wait, like, half an hour. They're like, oh, so we gave you wrong information before. We thought the plane was almost going to land. But actually, it's just, like, circling in the air right now. Wow. So we're just going to wait another, like, 40 minutes till we figure this out. So 40 minutes goes by. I'm like, this is kind of weird. The plane's still not here. I'm seeing other planes land. Like, it, I don't really know what's happening. And I check – my phone for the flight because you can do your flight tracker thing and i'm like let's just see where it is like it has to be here right. it's like halfway back to toronto oh. when i look at it and i'm oh like my god this looks weird yeah. so basically the announcement then comes on 10 minutes later they're like yeah your flight's canceled they're like they couldn't land the plane in dc it had to go back to toronto um so yeah you're just not gonna have a flight to toronto today So I didn't end up going, which is unfortunate because I do love Toronto and the city. And I spent a lot of days there during the COVID bubble. So I know that city very well. Um, But yeah, so I ended up watching on the couch. I sat there in sweatpants and ate Chinese food and watched the games. So that was my uh, Caps first Toronto experience.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And so, you know, obviously you always update Twitter. And like, hey, hello from whatever town you're in, or or if it's in DC, right? And we love that. Um, And so that does that happen often? Like, can you you can probably count on one hand how many times you've actually had to watch from home, just like the rest of us slobs, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was crazy. That was the so I was trying to think. That was the first time I've ever had a flight canceled on me. Like completely. Like I've had I've had delays. I've had situations where I'm like, okay, I just have to get on a later flight or there's some there's usually some resolution. Um but I think that was the first time where I had planned to go to a game that I could not go to a game and I had to watch at home. But during COVID I spent a lot of game nights watching at home just because of the Canada restrictions and the border and we couldn't travel back and forth very easily and You know, even now up until October, I think there's the vaccine requirements and the testing requirements. And so we were always scared during COVID. Let's say I went to Canada and then I tested positive. I would have had to quarantine there for 10 (laughs) days and I couldn't come home. And then we wouldn't have anyone covering the caps like for 10 days. So that would have been a bigger situation and probably not worth it. So I didn't spend probably like, I'd say max five, seven games. Maybe that I wasn't um, with the team. But, yeah, usually I'm always there and at skates and doing everything. So I guess I already missed my first road trip of the season. So we will try again. (laughs) Hopefully I'm in Ottawa by the time this podcast comes out on Thursday.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, we hope so, too. I mean, Godspeed on that. And, um, yeah, I mean, um, (laughs) so what, like, with all the travel, do you get to, like, hang out in the cities afterwards? Like do you usually take a day or or to come back, explore the city and then like dip out or what?
1: Yeah, usually it's, so it's interesting. So sometimes the caps, especially have a lot of one-offs. So that's like just one road game in the middle of the week in between a couple home games. So I would fly out, let's say on a Wednesday night, I'd get in Thursday morning, they would do a morning skate in let's say Columbus. And then Mm -hmm. they'd play that night in Columbus. And like their plane actually leaves right after the game. My flights, obviously, there's no, like, 11:30, 12 p.m. flight anywhere in the world. Right. Um So I would have to fly the next day. So basically, I do have maybe the night before to grab dinner or something like that, and then I have the middle of the day to maybe do some, like, sightseeing. Or honestly, I sometimes just take a nap and, <laughs> like, sit in the hotel room and watch TV. Fair um, enough. So, yeah, it depends. Like, in others, I think at the end of the month, we have a really long road trip that's, like, Dallas, Nashville, Carolina over Halloween weekend. So they have, like, an off night in Nashville. They have, like, a whole off day in Raleigh. So for those days, like, I'll probably hang out with other people I know in the cities or, once again, just sit there and have room service. Nice. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely some, like, some cities I definitely go out and I do things, and other cities I'm just, like, it's not worth leaving my hotel. Like Edmonton sometimes in the middle of the winter is not worth leaving my JW to, to go find anything to do.
0: Right. Right. I mean, do you want to die? Like you don't want to go out and just freeze yeah. to death, right?
1: Yeah. Maybe not. Like, or sometimes I do, but I don't know. Like maybe not. that
0: Exactly. Exactly. So uh, what's your take? I mean, like we were, we were getting there. What, what, what's your take on how the caps are going to do uh, this season? I mean, first time since you've been covering the caps for sure where they've had this many new faces in the lineup that are expected to be like you know basically you're a player now you're full-time you're not just a call-up like you're here um how do you think the the caps are going to be i mean i think that the projections are all over the place i've seen some where the advanced stats crowd saying they're going to win the division (laughs) some some writers have said they're a bubble team they're not even going to make it in uh do you have a vibe on that
1: my vibes are very off on the Caps lately. I feel like <laughs> coming into the season, I I had some good vibes on the Caps. So I was, I don't know. I thought that they kind of get over the Tom Wilson and Backstrom absence because they had Dylan Strom and Connor Brown, Darcy Kemper. And I don't know. I, I thought initially that they had maybe more like urgency and intensity than I think I saw in the first three games. And I know it's an early season. Like I know pieces have to... Come together and chemistry that, but I don't. know. I think they're a bubble team. I think they're. I'm gonna go the safe bet. I'm gonna say that they're a wild card team. Wow. Um I don't know. I. I just. I'm not sure. I don't think they miss the playoffs. I'm not that into the weeds as a lot of the national people. I. I feel like they make it, but I think it's a lot tighter than Caps fans are used to. I think there's sure. gonna be a lot more meaningful games than in the past. Like some of these division games I think are gonna be really, really important early on. Um, and I think maybe a lot of Caps fans are just like fortunate that usually you can kind of coast the last month of the season and kind of forget the Caps are playing and then all of a sudden they're in the playoffs. Right. I actually think the last couple of months of the season are gonna be insane. Um and they're gonna be fighting for a spot. But I could be completely wrong. I just think last season the Caps were—I'm pretty sure they were leading. They were number one, like on January first, in points. Yeah. And I just do not think that's going to happen again. And then they had a really bad second half of the season. So like something has to even out there, and yeah, and they barely made it. So it—it it, I don't know. I—I I don't have great vibes. Interesting to <laughs> put it that way. But they have all the pieces. Like I'm not going to say they couldn't go and have a great year and do it all again. But as of right now, I think they still have to put some things together.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay, so it's true she is a pessimist. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I
1: I don't know. I was like, I had really good vibes at it in. I'm like, this is gonna work. I'm like, I can see it happening. And then I just think when you watch them night after night too, you become a little pessimistic because (laughs) you see like how well they can do. I'm sure a lot of captains from like, it's like you see how well they can do and what they do when they're great and good and everyone's clicking. And then you see some of these games on like a Wednesday night in Ottawa or like a Thursday night in Winnipeg. And you're like, they don't want to be here either. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's a weird situation. Obviously like they're all professionals. They're trying to win it every night, but it, it is kind of funny when you watch it every single day and that's what you do for a living of how you analyze all the little things and, a little thing before a skate could mean the biggest difference for a game time.
0: Absolutely. I mean, keeping in mind that they are, this is their full-time job as well. And it's a pretty hard full-time job. You know, you can't get, you know, 110% out the gate and throughout the whole season, you know, there are times where guys just aren't (laughs) feeling it for sure. Yeah. Um, (laughs) that's awesome, man. That's, but I, I think that they're going to make the playoffs. I do. Um, I definitely think that there's a lot of questions, like you said. Uh, I totally agree though. I think they have the pieces. It's just are these pieces gonna work out? You know, there's also the the trade deadline, you know, do some mm-hmm. of these pieces not work? And maybe we try to like scramble and and, and put a band aid on it until next season, like who knows? Um, but would you agree that the the overall management is, is their ideas obviously win now, right? I mean they're not they're not sandbagging yeah. anything.
1: No, they're 100% put it all in, like, let's win now, let's figure it out. I think even like the sunny Milano signing, uh, I mean, today's Sunday, they signed him on Sunday. Like he, if that clears, if he clears waivers and he's in Washington, I think that was like a, oh, like maybe we do need someone else or like no one has taken him. Let's like stash him in Hershey and we can figure it out later. But. I like that. I mean, why yeah. not? He's a former first round pick. Like I know he hasn't really lived up to expectations, obviously. Um, but he's a guy that can score. He's a guy that can make plays and maybe they need that. Maybe they stash Connor McMichael back down in Hershey and they bring Milano up as an extra and they try to figure out something there. So I don't know. I feel like management has done the right things in the off season. I loved all the signings by McClellan in the offseason. I think he knew their needs and he fit them perfectly. And, I mean, especially in goal, it's like night and day watching right. Kemper and Lindgren. It's just a completely different feel, especially in the room, like before games, during games. They created a more calm atmosphere, honestly, for yeah. the Caps. And I think once they fix their goaltending, they can kind of figure out the rest of the stuff. I think it's harder when you have maybe question marks in goal that you're trying to fix and everything else is OK ahead of you. So in a way, like, I think the Caps are in a better place now than they were last year.
0: Oh, yeah. I would totally agree with that. I mean, I think that the glaring problem was, you know, I guess, goaltending. Um, crazy that we shipped both goaltenders. But, you know, yeah. uh, I I will say that, you know, to McClellan's, uh, you know, whether good or bad or indifferent, like, when he makes a decision, it's like, you know, we're going to go for it. We're going to do the best that we can with what we have now. Um, so... I liked I agree I like the moves in the offseason. I love the Milano signing. I think that he adds a little bit more competition to the guys who are fighting for a spot. Um, you know, and and yeah, he probably hasn't lived up to all of the expectations of a first round pick, but you know, he was in Columbus and Anaheim for his whole career. Yeah. So, you know, they you know, may, they probably wanted too much from a kid like that. You know, I mean, he's not going to be a guy who's going to be the next Alexander Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby or <laughs> McDavid. Like, yeah. I think your expectations may be a little too high. You might have put too much into that bucket. But uh, but I like it. And for league minimum, you know, I'll take that. I'll take Sonny Milano for league minimum all day.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people probably forgot that he was out there. I think a lot of people saw that he had his PTO with Calgary and probably assumed that he was a Flames. And right. now we're just kind of sitting out there. I think I once again, I think it's just a savvy move by McClellan. And um I think we'll just kind of see what happens from here.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to have you back on, uh, when the, when we have another, like no games day or something, when you're free, maybe like (laughs) midway through the season or something. Cause I know that we, we really didn't get to a lot of hockey talk, but I told you in the beginning, we really just kind of, I kind of wanted to just learn more about you as a person. So I'm glad, uh, we were able to do that. Is there anything that you wanted to, uh, to plug here, like your social and and stuff like that? Uh,
1: yeah, I guess my social is Samantha J Pell. That's my Twitter and yeah, I'm literally on it every single day. Um, I read so many DMs actually. I was not a big DM reader before and now I feel like I just like have time and I like love reading DMs and yeah, I don't really know. I decided to plug that, but yeah, message me, (laughs) interact with my tweets. I like it. I think it's fun. It's honestly Uh, the best part of my day. And I send them to a lot of my friends because usually they're just hilarious.
0: (laughs) You know, um, I did. So I DM'd you and I was like, Hey, what's up? You know, w- let's talk about stuff. And, and I was actually pretty surprised that you, that you responded. Cause you know, we do that for, you know, interviews that we'd like to have, you know, of course, you know, if a player has got their DMS open, we'll try to, we'll try to slide in, but it, you know, a lot of times right. they just, they don't get, they don't get responded to and that's fine. But you know um, all of my best, all of our best like gets for the podcast have been through Twitter DMS, no doubt.
1: I think I think yeah I I feel like a lot of people respond to Twitter jams more than people think like it still pops up as a notification like it's it's all in the same app I'm on Twitter 24 7 anyway like I'm probably I think I saw a great tweet that was like obviously like I've seen your message like I'm on my phone 24 7 I just don't want to respond to you and that's exactly (laughs) how I feel (laughs) like about Twitter and like text and all that I'm like obviously I've seen your message it's do I want to respond to you? Or I saw it and then I saw like a squirrel, like a cat and then I forgot about it and then like message me again and I'll be there in two seconds. So yeah, that's, that's my take on, on Twitter is that everyone sees everything.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So they, so if they're not, if so if you don't get a response, you know, just give it like the one, two, three tries. And then like, if it's after the third try, just, you know, let it go.
1: Yeah. Give it a couple more tries. Like, I try to respond. It's like, it's like life, you know, <laughs> I'll get to it eventually.
0: Oh man. I don't know if I, well, I would love to hear if after this podcast drops, <laughs> you start getting blown up. You might've just opened I know it now I feel box. like I
1: just invited like chaos into my day, <laughs> but it's
0: fine. What can go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, hey. Uh, Sam, it's been great talking. I'm so glad we got to do this. Um, Would love to have you on again in the future when, when the, when the schedule allows. Um, But I guess until next time, Caps fans, we'll just cut it here. Um, You know, follow Sam on Twitter. She's got all the good info and um, you know, if you're going to DM her, be nice.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, good luck this week uh, with the travels and I hope that you know, everything goes smoothly. Okay.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much.
0: All right. Take care. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social. And thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.